Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we arrive at what has been building up for several weeks now, the night Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and condemned to death. The book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 43 through 52, will be our focus this week. It's already been a disappointing night of performance by the disciples. Some of them had talked a big game about standing with Jesus and and even dying with him if need be, but when game time arrived, they were found weak and wanting. And now the armed crowd, led by Judas, arrived to arrest Jesus. What happened then was quite a scene, packed full of activity. Judas kissed and betrayed. Peter attacked. Jesus healed, peacefully submitted, and displayed the power of his spoken word. The disciples fled in fear and confusion, and someone didn't have time first to put on any clothes. Pastor Jim will be taking us through the events of that night and conclude with some personal applications from what we learn, including today's segment of the sermon entitled, Betrayed and Arrested. I think it would be a safe thing to surmise that probably the only sleep any of them got that night was their three little naps in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't imagine them sleeping any more than that. All the disciples left him and fled. Now, our passage includes three more verses, or two more verses, I should say. You know, three more verses. It's about the cowardice of a young man who was not one of the apostles. It's mentioned here in Mark. It's not in Matthew, it's not in Luke, and it's not in John. Mark 14, 51 and 52. I think it's 51 and, and 52. Yes, it is. A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. Now, if you've been around for a while, if you've heard people preach through the Gospels, You may have heard that this was Mark himself. People say that because it is included only in Mark's gospel. So they speculate that Mark mentions himself here as a follower of Jesus Christ, who also panicked that night, but this is Mark's way of of validating that he was an eyewitness of at least some of these things. Now, that can make for persuasive preaching, as long as you're willing to base your preaching on what the Bible doesn't say. Does it say it's Mark? No. So we don't know it's Mark. And if anybody says, we know this is Mark, they're making stuff up. But if you're going to make something up, oh, you can turn this into a great story. You can build on that fictional account by, by adding that Here's another theory that maybe the mob first went to Mark's mother Mary's house. We know Mark's mother was named Mary. We know she had a house in Jerusalem. That's where the group was that Peter went to when Peter was released from prison, Acts chapter chapter 12. That maybe the group went to her house first to search for Jesus and, oh, it, it gets even better, 
As long as you're making stuff up, you can say, that's probably where they had the Passover meal. Now, you can go full Hollywood-style adaptation while you're making stuff up. You can include a scene where Mark is tossing and turning in bed. He hears this noise. He suspects what might be happening, and he hurries to follow the multitude. And and in your made-up scene, you can show Mark grabbing a linen sheet and hastily wrapping it around himself as he jumps out of bed and, and, and runs out the door. You can say how he escapes capture and he runs away, and in so doing, his his covering is pulled off and he's left wearing nothing at all or at least nothing but undergarments. Choose which one of those you want, whether you want your movie to be PG or PG-13, how you want to make it. Listen, all that about Mark is made up. No one knows that. Well, I suppose Mark does, but he's not here telling us in person, all right? What do we actually know? A young man followed Jesus to the arrest. Where did he come from? The right answer is, we don't know. Maybe he lived next to the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know. Maybe he was a caretaker of the olive garden there. Maybe he lived in a little shack on the premise. We don't know any of that. We do know they they tried to arrest him along with Jesus, maybe because the apostles got away faster than than he did. And, And one thing we can infer from this being here is they would have arrested Jesus' men if they'd gotten a hold of him, because this guy wasn't even one of the apostles, and they were going to arrest him. He did escape wearing only whatever he had apparently worn to bed that night. So is this included to to show that Mark was an eyewitness of these things? The text doesn't say that. And if that's why this was here, I think we would be told that that's why this is here. All we know is that it is here, and it immediately follows something. What comes right after it? They all left him and fled. So this tells us that even after the apostles were gone, these guys would round up anybody who was on Jesus' side and try to get them arrested as well. The only safe point that we can make from this is that Jesus went to his trial alone. His disciples and others, at least one other, who were there where he was arrested, ended up scattering and running for their lives. We're going to pick it up at that point next time. Now, I understand Peter's going to sneak back around and he's going to be there and he's going to have a chance to fulfill the other prophecies. We'll pick it up there and come back to that next time. Now, there are some lessons that I think need to be taken from this passage. One is man's fulminations against God are pathetic and ultimately useless. And yes, for the new year... I use the word fulminations on purpose because you don't know what it means, more than likely. Go look it up. It's perfect for the situation. Torches and weapons will never stop the plan of God. Do you understand the difference between the power of God and the power of man? Now to him who is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 
and 21. Man can fuss and fume. He can't do anything that God does not want done. Second lesson. God never doesn't know what's going on. He never lacks the power to change a situation. God has never been victimized by any act of man, no matter how incredibly wicked it is. Here's another lesson. This is a really sad one. The greatest stupidity in the world is to think that you could do what Judas did and get away with it. To think that you can kiss God in mockery and get away with it. You say, well, I can't rock up and kiss Jesus and get him arrested. No, but you could feign love for him and yet not belong to him. That's an awful thing to do. You do that and you will join Judas in the lake of fire. You will eternally reap the benefits and the fruits of your hypocrisy. Another pretty obvious lesson here is Jesus always takes care of his own. I love that song that we're singing that we just found a while back. He will hold me fast for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Do you believe that you're safe in his hand? You are protected by the power of God for your inheritance. And you say, well, yeah, but I just read this week that a few dozen more Christians were, were exterminated in Nigeria. Jesus didn't protect them. Where do you think they are? They are with him. Nobody thwarts the, word of, the, the, the will of God. Now, from your limited human perspective, you will never know the understanding of all the facets of God's timing, including his allowing accidents, things that we call accidents, allowing things that we recognize as unjust in this fallen world. But God sinlessly uses even the sinfulness of the most wicked of people. One of the most obvious lesson we've been seeing in almost every passage here in the latter days of Jesus' life, you can bank on this one. Jesus is in control. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this record of what your Son did on our behalf. Enduring the cross, despising the shame, now seated at your right hand, having accomplished everything for our redemption, for our eternal life. Father, thank you for recording it as such so that we may see that your power is always on display, even in the midst of these, what we would call, horrible circumstances. Thank you for calling us to yourself. If there's anyone here today that has not accepted that invitation to come to Jesus Christ and find rest for their soul, please make this the day. God forbid that that anyone here would, in essence, just feign love for you and not love you in reality from the heart. You've made it possible for us to be forgiven, redeemed, restored, made alive in Christ. Thank you for that. And put that message on our hearts that we may proclaim it with full joy and all of your authority. In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.